0: Good morning, get your Bibles out and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 and 2 this morning is going to be our central passage as we talk about this theme of Go. Welcome to Seacoast, my name is Pastor Dale and along with Pastor Ryan have the privilege of teaching you the Word and exploring this idea of what it means to experience life in Christ and learn to follow Him. What a great, what a great mission. Let me pray for us, okay? Join me. Father God, thank you so much. What a great morning to hear about uh, everything from uh, how incredible you are as we praise you and welcome you into our presence and uh, and to hear, Father, about some of our own folks heading off for Tanzania. Father, thank you for their heart for uh, the city of Dar Salaam, a huge city, I think 12 million plus people, uh, Hindus, Muslims few Christians mixed in and and uh, we thank you for the chance to go and uh, seek to uh, to be your witness to that city and to those people And we thank you for our partners that are on the ground that live there around that are involved in your ministry so we thank you for that privilege and honor and we just pray for for them as they go I just want to pray for them and I pray that our time in your word today would give us a deeper appreciation and heart for what they're doing. So we love you, we open ourselves, and we ask you. In fact, I would encourage you to pray with me a very simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to me. Do you pray that under your breath? Say, Lord Jesus, speak to me this morning from your word as we listen to you uh, in worship in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Our journey through Ephesians is officially over. What a great book. I kind of feel like I'm leaving an old friend behind as Ryan and I leave Ephesians behind and anticipate launching a new series actually next week out of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. So be reading that this week on the topic of faith. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But the idea of leaving Ephesians behind uh, is a tough deal. You know, the last two weeks, Ryan has done a great job of uh, reminding us of this call in Ephesians to be a child of God, the call to a relationship with God, to be saved by His grace, to come into His family. Because you don't just connect with God as a child of God, you become part of this thing called the family of God. So we called our series, Your Life and the Family of God, the book of Ephesians. And it wrapped up the last couple of weeks with so a big reminder that, you know, that we have an enemy, and that enemy wants to stop us from effectively living out our mission As the family of God. Because you don't just join the family to have fun. I'm a part of a family. Largely, I'm a family. I'm a Burke. The Burks had a reunion in central, uh, uh, southern Ohio about, uh, oh, I wasn't able to attend. What was it, Beck? About uh, three, four weeks ago. Three weeks ago, right? Two weeks ago. Sooner than we thought. In fact, remember the flooding in West Virginia that made the national news? Uh, That was right the week that they gathered on that following Saturday. Uh, Probably 100 plus relatives who identify with part of their identity as they are they are part of the Burke clan. We are the California extension. We like to believe the best extension of the Burke clan, as we had enough sense to leave West Virginia and come to California. Amen? Yeah, much better out here, but don't tell them back there. But we've been talking in Ephesians about our identity as a family, as a clan, as a part of the kingdom of God, the family of God children of God who connect for a family but we also connect for a purpose this family has a mission this family has a you might say the family business you connect to this family the kingdom of God you're in the family you're also connected to the to the to the family business and this morning before we move into our series on faith we're going to be talking about vintage faith, faith that is old and ancient, but yet modern and last, that's significant, high quality. We're going to be talking about faith for the next several weeks through this summer series if out of uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 11. But before we go there, we thought we'd use this transition week between Ephesians and this study of faith. We're going to study what it really means to have a good shield of faith. We're going to be looking at that. But before we go there, we thought it'd be great to remind ourselves for one week so why does the family exist why does the family exist what's our purpose because that purpose never changes churches change seacoast we change ryan's got a new role as our lead pastor man i'm excited about serving on his team now as a part of this team is as as a teaching team and as a team here at Seacoast. And I'm excited about my new role as as a teaching pastor and as a congregational care pastor and also now as one of your missionaries. So churches change, jobs change, but today I want to talk about what doesn't change. What doesn't change. There's a little saying I grew up with That says something like this The best change happens when you first decide what will never change. The best change happens. This is true in your life, this is true in your church. When you're going to make changes, the best changes happen when you first decide what will never change. And there's things about Seacoast that, Lord willing, as long as Ryan and I and the elders have anything to do about it, there are some things that will never change. And that especially is our mission. So, Father, teach us about our mission. Teach us about what it means to be the family of God. Teach us about our purpose as the family of God. In Christ's name, amen. Open the book of Acts. I figure the best place to go for purpose is when Jesus was launching for the first time this thing called his church. Pick it up with me. The context is Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, Jesus has died for our sins, he's been buried, he's been resurrected. And now for 40 days, he's walked and talked and taught his closest disciples about what it is that they are launching, this movement called the church, the body of Christ. But before Jesus leaves, it says this, pick it up in verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, underline the word promise, which he said you heard from me so you've heard about this promise before for john baptized you with water but you will be baptized uh, or indwelt it means to be filled and indwelt with the holy spirit not many days from now so when they had come together they were asking him lord it, it, now at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to israel in other words they're still living under roman rule they're still being dominated by the romans and 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 they're thinking wow jesus really was god in the flesh he really was the messiah he really did come he really did die but good news he rose from the dead so imagine that you have just spent 40 days excuse me i'm all excited 40 days hanging out with jesus in his resurrected body and then jesus makes this promise to you not many days from now I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit out upon all of you. You can imagine. It makes sense that they might mistakenly think, wow, Lord, you're going to bring your kingdom to earth. You're going to establish your rule and your kingdom over the entire planet. We're going to rule with you. Woo, let's go. So they're excited about the birth of the kingdom of God on the planet. But they're mistakenly thinking that it's going to happen right now. So Jesus corrects their thinking. He doesn't tell them that their eschatology or their doctrine of future things is wrong because they were correct, that there is a time taught clearly in the Scriptures that Jesus will return to the earth and rule as king over all the earth and, and uh, there will be perfect peace and righteousness and the lion lays down with the wolf and the lamb and things like that. Remember those things? That is going to happen. But they think it's going to happen right now. So Jesus says this, and this is our passage of the day. He says, So when they had come together and they were saying to Jesus, Lord, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the epics which the Father has fixed by his authority. In other words, it's not even important that you know when I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it But you don't need to know that. Quit focusing on that. Instead, here's a better focus. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit that I've just been talking to you about has come upon you, and then in the power of His Spirit, you shall be my witnesses. Both here in Jerusalem, and then He shocks them, but also in all of Judea, their area. Also, go to Samaria, Samaritans that they didn't even like and wouldn't even talk with. It's like a different culture group that they don't get along with. You're going to go from Judea to Samaria, and in fact, even to the remotest part of the earth. Now imagine if you're this initial gathering of of the inner circle of disciples and and, and Jesus says, here's what I want you to focus on. Don't worry about the end times. Don't worry about when the, the political stuff is going to get straightened out. That's a good reminder for us this year. Don't worry about that. Here's a better thing for you to worry about, for you to focus on. This is your mission. And he lays it out. So what do we learn from this? We learn from this that our purpose or our mission never changes. And it's based on this concept. You shall be my witnesses. I'm planting you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. If you look at Matthew 28... In the Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says the same thing. He says, Now, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So don't just have them come to know me and be saved by me, but now teach them the Word, teach them the Scriptures, raise up disciples, and lo, I will be with you always to help you do it, even to the end of the age." You see, our purpose, our mission never changes. doesn't matter what changes in how we structure our staff. It doesn't matter what changes in how we do it. It doesn't matter that we get rid of the holy gazebo out there. You know, Can we really be God's church and not have the gazebo? I think so. Amen? okay i mean i think it looks great for it to be gone personally but anyway you know so the garden gazebo is gone and 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 we're and we're redoing a new area to better welcome people into our campus that's that's so great i can't wait till they throw that garage door up and show it off it's going to be a great welcoming place but it's not because we want a prettier plaza it's because we want to better connect to the city that god has planted us in in case you haven't walked around Encinitas lately, there's not a lot of little garden gazebos welcoming people. So it's great that uh, Ryan's leadership is bringing us more into the city of Encinitas. Love that. So anyway, I don't want to get off on that. But anyway, I just love what's going on out there. So our purpose, our mission never changes, even when things change in our staff or our campus. Number two, our message or our proclamation never changes. Our mission the message that God has called us to never changes. If you want to follow with me, I've given you this outline in case you want to follow. And we're going to go quick. He says, you shall be my witnesses. Underline the word my. This is about us not telling the Seacoast story. This is us about telling the story of Jesus. That's the bottom line. We see it later in Acts chapter 2. I don't have time to give you the whole story, but here's some highlights. Chapter 2, verse 32. Right after this, God pours out His Spirit upon Peter and the other apostles. Peter gets up to preach, and this is what he says. This Jesus, God, raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. We've seen it, we know Him, and we're telling you the story. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, taken back to heaven, received from the Father, the promise we received the Holy Spirit, He's poured out His Spirit which you now both see and hear, because they had this miraculous ability to speak different languages of the world that they had never learned. They're speaking German and French and Spanish and, 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 you know, and, and all the different languages, Arabic and the different languages of their region, even though they'd never learned them. You've got Egyptians all of a sudden hearing them speak Egyptian. And so, you know, and there, so there was a visible, audible proof that God had poured His Spirit out upon them, because this was a whole new era. A whole new thing that God was doing. And their message was focused on Jesus. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, Messiah. This Jesus whom you crucified. And he went on to offer them not condemnation, but life in Christ. To bring the life of Jesus, that they might experience life in Jesus' Now, that's what you hear around here. We want people to experience life in Jesus and learn what it's like to follow him. And that's why we gather every single week. Our message is a Jesus-focused message, and it does not change. But for us to be the witnesses, imagine how they felt being challenged to go out and be the witnesses of this story of Jesus the truth about God in a world that's confused about God, I think that's like today but to us for us to do that and for them to do that, man that would scare me to death. so he makes a promise to go with the proclamation, and the promise doesn't change because the means of pulling us off never changes. see our purpose our 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 met, our purpose. Um, our mission never changes our proclamation the story the message of Christ that we are responsible to deliver to our culture never changes even though cultures change but then also the means by which we try to do this never changes. We're constantly reminded, just like Ephesians wrapped up the last two weeks, the last three weeks, really, with a reminder, don't do this in your own power, but put on the armor of God, the shield of faith, the, you know, the, the helmet of salvation, all of those Christ-centered things that we need to put on and walk by the power of His Spirit as we go out and try to make a difference in Encinitas to Africa. That's the promise so god gives us his spirit to enable us to do what he's called us to do our promise is still the same god is the means his spirit is the means you're going to receive power when the spirit comes upon you acts one eight that's the key phrase the power is going to be given to you by his spirit who's going to come to live in you see this is basic stuff but if we don't If we ever forget this, we're in deep trouble as a church. So this is basic but important. The promise of the Spirit never changes. He's the means. Let me add one more thing that I think never really changes, and that is the passion of the church needs to be to both go local and global. It's the call to take Christ where you live, but also to the ends of the earth. To me, that's a call for every church to respond to in one way or another. And he lays it out to them in this sequence. Jerusalem, that's their city. Judea, that's their state, their area. Uh, Samaria, that's now pushing them out of their comfort zone. You've got to talk to people that you don't like. And then you've got to go to the remotest parts of the earth. If I were to apply that to us, it's Encinitas. Encinitas. It's North County. We're not just an Encinitas church. Uh, We want to be a North County. We want to love this area, this region to Christ. We want to love the hard to love. That's what I call Samaria. It's kind of the regional outreach, but even more than just geography, to be told to take their message to the Samaritans is like being told that you take this message to the subgroup in your culture that you're very uncomfortable around. This is where they say you've got to cross those racial borders. You've got to cross economic borders. You've got to cross all of those borders that you're uncomfortable with because it's those people, people of every tribe, tongue, nation, culture, uh, you know, it's people of every lifestyle, no matter how separated they may be from Christ, that need to hear the message that fulfills the mission. That's. What he calls us to do. For us, that's love in North County, the hard to love, and even Africa and beyond. It's why we have a big map down on the end of our room. That could be a map of any continent, but we as a church have chosen to put our focus right now, especially on Africa. And that's the final point of this passage, I think. And that is, even though these things never change, the things that does the thing that does change in every church is the detailed plans in other words what's your strategy what's unique about seacoast as we try to live out our mission and there's some things that are unique about us and it's okay that every church isn't involved in the same things that's why there needs to be variety in the kingdom of god but i want you to understand this morning what seacoast is all about right now as we're trying to be a church that lives out our mission The first thing I would say to you is this. We are a church that's focused on Africa. That's why that map is there. But yet we're a church that also wants people to do three things on this little diagram. Encounter, connect, and go. You ever heard that? We want you to encounter Christ in worship. To encounter Jesus in worship. We want you to, no, go back one. We want you to uh, connect. Go back one slide. We want to go connect. You can hardly read it. It's kind of in gray there. But encounter God in worship. We want you to connect to one another because that's how Jesus built disciples in smaller groups. That's what we're about in our life groups here at Seacoast. But then we encounter and connect for a reason. Not just to give you a better life. Not just to help you know Jesus. But because the world needs for you to be involved in going. We have a little saying around here that we want to be hundred percent sent. That all of us are sent people. Now, as we do that, part of that is loving encinitas part of that is loving North County. But I want to focus especially this morning in light of dedicating the Tanzania team this morning to our global part of this thing. Because on the global side, Seacoast, I'm proud of our global outreach team. They developed, I didn't do this, they developed this great overall model and here it is in a picture boom there it is three areas of focus reaching an unreached people group where there is no church to reach them and that's a group that we're not going to talk about publicly but it's a group in on the coast of Tanzania, where there's virtually no church reaching these people, this team that you're sending will be building relationships and sharing Christ with that group and helping some uh, full-time workers who live in Tanzania who are focused on that group. So we have partners there. Reaching an unreached people group. We want to be empowering the poor. We think Jesus calls us to go and to care about women trapped in prostitution, children that are dying of malnutrition and, 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 and dirty water and all that stuff we need to be empowering the poor and to do all of that we need to be training leaders and that's the part that if you know dale that's my passion all of us have different passions in this thing right my primary passion based on my life is god has really given me a passion and my wife as well for helping train leaders so we're kind of focused in next slide on that part on the end of our strategy because here's what we believe is really true For the church of Africa to address the problems of Africa and to take the gospel of Christ to Africa, for that to happen, you need healthy pastors. If you have unhealthy leadership, you have unhealthy churches. But not only that, we've learned they need healthy pastors who have healthy families, and especially in Africa, there's a lot of cultural baggage that comes into marriage and child-rearing, some very unhealthy things that are abusive of women, disrespectful of women, and disrespectful of Christ. So we're trying to build healthy pastors with healthy families who can lead healthier churches so that they unleash healthy ministries of their people to address their problems. See, the old style used to say, send missionaries to Africa to do all the work. And we realize that's a big mistake and it's not even biblical. Instead, send people over there to help them, encourage them, assist. But mainly, whatever we do, we want to be empowering the African church. And let me tell you something. You got leaders in Africa that are willing to take on that challenge. To deal with everything from AIDS prevention to savings groups to help Uh, the poor start little upstart businesses they can support themselves and then guess what they do they adopt their own orphans you know and and they take in kids who are raised in healthy families and, and 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 they address a lot of the issues in their own culture and they are eager to do it but the problem is they just need a helping hand they don't need us to do it but sometimes they need some training they need some encouragement to help get it started One of the most effective church based African led ministries I have ever seen is called a Tabitha Center. And I want you to know that when you send this team over to Tanzania or when you send Becky and I or a team, we're going to bring a team of Seacoast people in September, October, end of September, 1st of October. If you're interested, talk to me. We still have some openings. We're sending another team over to train pastors and their wives in leadership and family life. When you do that thing, you empower African pastors to be able to lead expanding ministries. To some of the very neediest people on the planet. It was a Seacoast member who went last fall and recorded the personal story of one woman changed by a Tabitha Center ministry in Kinshasa, Congo. I want you to meet her now.
1: My name is Belbish Kiese. I'm from Kinshasa and I live in Matete. I want to share you my story of how God restored me. When I was young, I was studying in high school, and one day I realized I couldn't continue with my studies. I wanted to go to university, but there was no way. My dad didn't have money to pay my class. In that time, I got pregnant. My dad was angry with me, but my baby died. Tabita Center changed my life. Before I was promiscuous with guys, and I had many boyfriends. I was not going to school, I was begging money from boys. I didn't have any jobs to buy clothes and food. Before I came into Vita Center, I was thinking that life is limited to boys, doing nothing, going anywhere, because I didn't have any sense of my life. I thought my life would end there. And now, now I'm independent. I can sew. My hands can now create clothes. My head is now wise to create and plan. I have a fiancé. My life before and after Tabitha is completely different. I received a Bible from Tabitha Center and I learned to read it. But my dad didn't allow us to go to church because he was Muslim. And in Tabitha Center, before we start class, we were worshipping, reading Bible, Many things that make me a woman now and gave me value. The other women practicing prostitution with me before are now teasing me, calling me holy, like Mother Mary. They can see now that my life is different. In this time, my dad can allow me to go to Tabitha Center because I become a good Christian. Now some of my friends join Tabitha Center and have changed like me to see the way of God. I now have many values from Tabitha Center. I become a woman of compassion, a hardworking woman, and a woman of prayer. These are the values of a tabita woman. I come from nothing. But now God changed my life. For oh, no like oh, my life, my life, my life, my life.
0: That's not some infomercial from somewhere. That's a video produced by our own Cole Pittsford whenever he traveled with our team and interviewed that lady. So we have met her. We know her story. We know her friends. We know the pastor that has started a Tabitha Center in his church. And he's going to start more. And more pastors can start Tabitha Centers. But the problem is the average pastors over there feel very overwhelmed with the demands of their ministry and their life. So they can't start things like Tabitha Centers unless they learn how to better lead so they can lead in a way that empowers their people and frees them up to start ministries like this. I want to walk you through some very quick slides. So just pop these, okay? I want to show you, this is what Seacoast has been involved in. It's a picture of the very first Seacoast team that came to uh, Rwanda about four and a half years ago or so as we checked out the needs of the, of the Rwandan church and, the, and a ministry called World Relief. And that's the director of the Evangelical Free Church of Rwanda showing us around a church that had lost its walls, that had fallen down and no roof. It was our kids at Seacoast who put a roof back on three, this and three buildings like this as we began to discover needs and reach out to meet them. But the number one need we were told about by World Relief is the need for pastoral training and the basics of biblical leadership so they can be more effective and healthy at the same time. So they had us come over and test drive with a group of about 20 key denominational leaders from everyone from pentecostals to anglicans to baptists it didn't matter about this biblical leadership principle next slide and what we saw was they bought into it this, this is a gathering of some of the archbishops of rwanda uh very very significant leaders in god's church with an exciting they were excited about taking the training book that we had given them that that they wanted to begin to use in their churches but they said will you come back And began to help us to train others. So we sent a team back. Next slide. And this was our team climbing into the van. And and we sent a team back for some Seacoast people to help us do a a basic leadership training. And learn more about the needs of the poor in Rwanda. And how we can begin to, to train their pastors. At the end of the conference, there was a conversation when I took this very picture where one of their key leaders, Pastor Christine, whose husband is the head of the Assemblies of God with over 2,000 churches in Rwanda, and we asked Christine, what else do you need? And she said, the number one thing we need is leadership training, not just for the pastors, but what about their wives and what about some, some of the women? And you look at these next slides and you see she reminded us that these are beautiful people who have deep, deep hurts in their culture as they try to figure out how to do this thing called marriage and how to raise their kids in the midst of ministry and do life with a kid on your back or a kid on your lap. And how do you do that? And we began to put together a follow-up conference. So we sent another team. This is another team went over from Seacoast, the third team. And they went because they... Some people like Melinda Buchanan and others and my wife and, 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 and the Olsons and others went to do more marriage training, parenting training, not for the pastors. Pastor Dale can do that, but for the women that need to be partnered with them in ministry. So God seems to have opened up a really cool, neat opportunity for Seacoast to do that. And not just to go over and do the conference. Next slide. But to to teach them, but also, next slide, to actually pray with them and build relationships with them. And God has done a great thing that while we're training the pastors, next slide, while we're training the pastors, that's a picture from Congo actually, then we can also begin to work with the women so that as partners they can begin to have healthy pastors with healthy families leading healthy churches that... More ministry like that tabitha center and that's the bottom line last year we sent a fourth team and this team went over the pictures are from congo as we were invited by an organization that represents 250 pastors next slide there we go there we are 250 pastors representing 95 different denominations, representing 25 million people in the nation of Congo in their churches. Now this is a rare God-given opportunity for us as a church to be involved in helping train and shape not just these pastors, but the wives also. They, we teach, they discuss, uh, and we see we see the, um, next slide, we see the the, the women begin to grow and we we begin to see the impact that God has uniquely allowed us to have. So the bottom line is, God is inviting us to build partnerships with key leaders. And I uh, will take more time another day perhaps to tell you some of the stories of all these people. Just roll through the slides, John. These are Africans who are being trained to teach Africans. These are people that have been trained by us as Seacoast funded our teams to go over and to do the the leadership training, but now these people like Abraham Muditi who trains in African countries all around Africa, like the next guy, Salinga, like Richard Juma who's our key trainer in Tanzania with his wife and kids, he trains this pastor who is planting a church among the Maasai tribes of northern Tanzania. That's his home built out of cow dung but he loves Jesus, and he prays for help because he hasn't had any formal training in how to serve the church and be a pastor. So Richard Juma trains that guy. These are groups from Mwanza where we'll be going back in October to their city to do a second round of training. And by the way, sure enough, next slide, when they talk to my wife, everyone talks to my wife, and then she they talk her into us needing to bring over teams To not just care about the men, let's take care of discipling the women who are sitting outside during the conference and who desperately need that training. So that's where we're headed. But it all really revolves around the need for a, a passion that God's given us as a church to train leaders, care for the poor, work with unreached people groups. And my personal calling, which many of you know now, is to devote half of my time I want to continue to be your pastor, one of the pastors here. Work with Pastor Ryan on his team and then be able to spend the other half of my life working with pastors both in the U.S. as well as pastors in Africa. So be praying for us that we can help raise up churches that address all the needs that these slides depict. There's an upcoming conference uh, or opportunity. If you want to know what we're about and what we're doing, we just uh... there's a luncheon coming up next sunday all you need to do is email me if you'd like an invitation or give me a call and i'll send you an invitation to it but you're all welcome and invited if you'd like to know what becky and I are doing uh... to raise prayer support uh... we need about seventy more people our goal is to get hundred people just to commit to pray for us whether they can give any money or not is secondary uh, so if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing possibly be a part of our support team Next Sunday, right after church, second service, in the cafe, we're going to have a lunch and we'll feed you. But you have to email me. You can't just show up or I can't feed you, all right? I'm not Jesus. I can't multiply the fishes. So just drop me an email to that address and uh, I'll be happy to to send you an invitation and uh, we'll have lunch together. But the bottom line is this, all of us are called to go go that's the next slide it's that big word it's a big world but we as a church are committed to going that's what we're about i hope you really join with that mission father god thank you as the band comes to lead us in some worship and a time of prayer thank you so much for the mission that you've called us to And Father, I thank you that we're a church that doesn't just care about ourselves. We want to think about Encinitas. We want to think about North County. We want to think to the ends of the earth, be used by you. We pray for the Tanzania team. We'll pray for them in just a minute and commission them again in prayer. We thank you that you have given us a rare opportunity to make a real difference in places like Rwanda and Tanzania and Congo and now uh, to even do pastor training throughout Africa in years to come. So we're humbled by your choosing us as a church. We're humbled by you uh, sending us. And we trust that we go in your power by your spirit to fulfill your mission. Thank you for making us part of the family of God. But thank you for giving us purpose. May we do the business of our heavenly father we worship you now in jesus name amen